everyone. Welcome back to Imposter. Today, Monica and I are chatting with one of my dear friends about coding boot camps, something really near and dear to our heart. That is right. Coding boot camps, we know them, we love them. They got us to where we are today. And you know what? They are a heck of a lot more economical than any kind of graduate degree. And really come in handy if you study the completely wrong thing in college. So because both of our coding boot camps are no longer in existence, I had to find um, a representative of another boot camp that, that is in existence to kind of get the ins and outs of how they're working these days. And luckily, one of my closest friends from Cornell, Chelsea De La Grana, is a pretty high up dog at uh, Codesmith, a coding boot camp here in Venice, um, Los Angeles. And Chelsea is the Director of People and Compliance. What a fancy title, miss. And um, I'm so excited to have her and to talk about, you know, just everything Codesmith and coding boot camps and, you know, what to consider if you're thinking about one or don't know what the heck they are when we're talking about them. So welcome, Chelsea. Thank you. That was a lovely intro. Yeah, of course. Um, So Chelsea... How did you find yourself at Codesmith? Like how, what were you doing before? Is this something you had thought of? Like, how did you find yourself working at a coding bootcamp? Yeah. So I went to your safety school, uh, Cornell, that you mentioned. It was not your top choice. It was my top choice. And thankfully, uh, we both ended up there and met each other. But I actually studied uh, feminist studies in college and music, which we did acapella together, obviously. And then when I graduated, I think like most, not all, but a lot of college grads are like ready to just work and make money. And I I had like student loans and I was like, I don't need to be a famous singer. I need to get a job and studying feminist studies kind of made me feel like I should go somewhere corporate and just kind of like work my way up and see what I can who I can manage and who I can be the boss of is kind of the vibe I was going for. But um, I ended up at like an IT staffing company, which I know sometimes like people in the engineering space find those companies quite annoying because they call you nonstop about like different opportunities in the tech world. Anyways, that's where I ended up. It was just by chance, like a family referral. So I did some like random jobs there for a few years. I was there almost five years. One of them was recruiting. So one year I did do tech recruiting. Um, I didn't love it only because it was very sales big, like sales focused. So it was always about finding somebody else, their engineer, and you didn't get like a really good connection with one company. So it's really hard to sell the culture. And they just, with contractors, they just wanted someone to come in and like code something for them really quickly. And that wasn't my vibe being salesy. I hate to be like annoying anyone. So when I would like cold call people and they're like, what do you want? I was like, oh my God, so sorry. Like, I can't believe I even called you. So that wasn't for me, but I still liked being like in the tech space and kind of being more in like an operational or support role for people who did engineering work. So I did stay there for, for, like I said, almost five years and I moved into like project management roles Um, And then I moved to LA. So when I moved, I had to find a new job and I just stayed within tech because that's kind of all wherever I was. But having only worked at one company, I was just like, you know, looking for more, can I do these skills that you have, not what's your culture like? And I ended up somewhere and I'm not going to like bash them just in case, but it was horrible culture. Like I 
Zero out of 10, <laughs> do not recommend, but I won't say where it was. Check me out on LinkedIn. You can find it out. And so I was there for three months and I literally, I, I quit the job. I was like, I'm not, I don't even have another job. Like I'm done. Like this place is horrific. Um, and then I found Coatsmith on LinkedIn. The job was super vague. And the, even the job description was like, was something like, have you achieved anything really impressive in your life? Which I don't know why I thought that was me. I was like, of course. And then I applied and then I ended up, you know, interviewing and it was like an operational type role within like a boot camp. So coding that I was familiar with. And I was like, oh, I actually, I can do this. And so, yeah, that's how I ended up there. And I've been there for almost or over two years now. Did you start, have you been, because you were one of the first people, right? Like, was it a new boot camp? So when I joined, they had been around maybe maybe three years at that point. Okay. And the team was still very small. Uh, we had just launched the New York location of the boot camp. So we had the Venice office, which I think they were on cohort 24 when I joined. And then the New York office, which was, I think, on cohort six or something. So in terms of permanent team members, I think we only had like 11 at that point. So it was small. And I did a lot of different types of like I did admissions, I did operations for the program for the building, I even helped with like outcomes type hiring support work at the time. Now we have much more like distinct divisions. So I love that. I feel like well, when I met you, you said that you wanted to be on Broadway. Um, when I met you as a freshman in our acapella group, nothing but treble. But I just love it, it's it's a good story of like just finding a job where your skills and passions lie, where maybe like you had never you never thought that that was the industry you'd go in, but you enjoy like working with the people there and supporting. Like you knew that you liked these certain things. You knew that you wanted these certain things in a job, even though you had never envisioned working for a boot camp. Yeah. It's, it's weird that I didn't end up on Broadway, just all things can, um, but yeah. you, you still have, you still have time. And yeah, I think you're, you in, you're famous in my heart. So, so much. this is what I needed to hear today. <laughs> um, yeah, I think also studying feminist studies, I always, I didn't think I was going to find this perfect job that was like, you can't, you know, don't, you, nobody's going to pay me to be a, a professional feminist or whatever, but I <laughs> wanted to do some sort of job where I felt like I could impact like some sort of mission that would help that. When I was a recruiter, I'd have to like qualify roles with engineering managers and they would do little things like he should have six years of experience. And this per like, instead of saying this person, it was like he, an ideal candidate, he will probably know how to do this. And I was just like, you already know it's a he, mm -hmm. like, how do you, like, it was just something that kind of made me think, oh, I think I want to stay in this, this industry and kind of make an impact in that way. Cause it did relate to stuff that I was passionate about in college. Um, and I think that's why I've, I've stuck around. <laughs> I want to talk a bit about what the program is, because I feel like we might have some people listening who are bootcamp curious. So Tulsi, could you tell us a little bit about what the program looks like? I know you threw out the word cohort, so maybe start by defining like what is a cohort and just how long is the program? What does it cover? You know, where do you end when you finish the program? So we have a few different types of offerings, but we're most known for our software engineering immersive program. The traditional path for that is a 13-week 
program, you're working Monday through Saturday, um, Mondays through Fridays, it's eight, I think it's no, it's 9am to 8pm. And then Saturdays, it's 9am to 4.30pm. So it's very intensive. And we have an LA one and a New York one. Obviously, right now it's it's remote, but it operates on those time zones. And then we usually in each of those locations have two cohorts at once. So and those two cohorts are at different stages of the program. So we say the juniors and the seniors no freshmen or sophomores for some reason. They're just juniors and seniors. Basically, it's it's that way so that, you know, when you're starting the program, there's other people in the building or in your class or in your at, at the program at the same time that can be mentors to you or they're six weeks ahead and they might be able to help you out with questions. Um, and in terms of how many people are in the cohort, it varies. I would say between 34 and 38. So at one time, you know, math, whatever that is added together, 38, 38, that's how many people you might have and in the respective locations. And then in February of last year, we launched a part-time remote version of our immersive program for people who couldn't, you know, stop working. Um, And that was like a big thing that people had been asking about. So for that, it's almost nine months that you're in the program. Um, but it's in the evenings, Mondays, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays from five to 8 PM. And then Saturdays from nine to four 30 PM. And there's like a few break, break weeks. Cause that is a long time. And then what we teach. So it's full, it's uh, software engineering focused on JavaScript. So that's the only coding language that we focus on right now. We haven't thought we might long-term go into like data science or, you know, something like that, but right now just JavaScript. And then we have these shorter programs that are meant to prepare you for the immersive. So those are other offerings that are just online two weeks. So like if you're just starting out, there's a JavaScript for beginners course, and then there's CS prep. So kind of like Codesmith prep so that you can, I guess, get ready for the interview, but also for the program. And what's the interview process like? The first step is an application. On the application, it's like a few essay questions just about your interest in coding. Why do you want to go to Codesmith in particular? Because there's a ton of boot camps out there right now. And there's like a coding challenge on there that you would want to complete. It's not too um, intensive at that stage. And then if everything looks good on your application, you would be invited to an initial interview, which is not technical at all. It's more about like your goals and why you want to do the program and how do you work with others and kind of assessing if you would fit in well with the community. Um, And then if that goes well, you're invited to the technical interview, which is a coding interview one-on-one with one of our engineering fellows. The engineering fellows are like TAs I don't know if you guys had something similar with your programs. Um, And then there you go through a series of like increasingly difficult coding challenges and they score you on, I hope I don't mess, it's been a while since I've talked about this, but they score you on five different areas. So analytical problem solving, technical communication, non-technical communication, JavaScript knowledge, and engineering best practices. Wow, I can't believe I remember that. Um, But those are the things that they're looking for on that interview. And then if that goes well, you're accepted, but you also are given up to three tries to pass that interview. So like if you didn't pass the first time, the admissions team will call you and they'll tell you exactly what you might have missed or what you need to work on. They'll give you some resources and then they'll also give you like a time frame based on what you missed, like how long they think you need to study before you take it again. That is so much more involved than my interview experience. Oh my God. My interview, my interview was basically just the first part of what you said. It was just, 
a coding challenge, which was literally like write a function, which is, I think why they went out of business because they're just admitting any Joe Schmo off the road. I mean, me, me included, I, I found that hard. Like I barely passed that, you know, I didn't know anything. So that's, it seems like you're getting like more qualified applicants. So they're coming in, like really having a background. Yeah. And it's, it's all, we want to set the bar very high, but we don't want people to feel like it's not attainable because the type of people we want everyone to feel like they can go for this career, but we, there's all these, you know, there's a lot of free stuff out there to kind of get yourself started. So we feel like, let's give you these reasons. We offer free workshops as well. We also have a free online learning platform that anyone can use. That's kind of all the introductory JavaScript stuff. So we're like, do all that first. And then we'll take you to like the next level. Cause it's a big investment in terms of time and money. So it's like, if there's stuff out there that can get you set up, work on that, and then we'll take you to the next step. And it's kind of a test. And like, when you're an engineer, you have to do those, like you have to seek out your own resources and, and problem solve on your own. Like people aren't just going to feed you information and teach you like literally every day you're even today, something I've never seen before. I've had to look at a million articles and I still don't really understand it, but like, it's part of the job. So that's kind of a test. Like if, if they are unwilling to spend the time studying on their own and trying to figure it out, then they're probably not the best candidate for the role, the job in general. Wow. You should come work for us. You would, (laughs) that is something like when they do the technical interviews, it's like, we want them to, people think like, I'm going to get all this right, but we want to see them hit the block so you can see what you do and like, how do you handle not knowing because you're not going to know everything. Something that comes up a lot in the program is we, we encourage a lot of like research and looking up different methods and working with each other and teaching each other because it's more realistic of how it's going to be when they go out into the real world. So that's good. You're, you're validating our experiences. <laughs> it's also just, it's such a fast paced program, right? You, you want people who are going to thrive and who will be able to like keep up with the pace. Yes, it's quite fast. And it's a lot of information. Um, A lot of people get really overwhelmed in the beginning because it's just not what they're expecting, especially if you compare it to maybe high school or any college you went to. It's just a lot. But we I mean, there's a you as you know, there's like a bunch of different boot camps out there. So I think it's starting a different boot camps are kind of coming up with their own style or their own culture or their own brand or what is it about them that makes them different. Our CEO and the mission is we want to build like the software engineering leaders. So we want to, the graduates to be impactful in that community and kind of have those elite jobs and elite futures without having maybe the elite background to start. Do you spend time on soft skills or just like emotional intelligence? Yeah. So, well, part of that is we try to screen for that in the initial interview. So if somebody seems like they would be difficult to work with, we ask a lot of questions about group dynamics because they do groups like projects together. Community is like a big thing about the program, but also our free workshops. So a lot of people will have come to our weekly workshops from months or years before they've applied. So they they get very involved in the community before even doing the program. So they they kind of see what, what it's going to be like and the type of people that we're looking for. So usually if you're not, if that's not your vibe, you don't apply because you're like, I'm not here to like, 
I just want to learn how to code and then I want to leave. But in the program, we do a lot of different lectures on like how to be successful in the program, which comes into, they do a lot of pair programming. So why it matter, why bulldozing would be a problem and like how that doesn't, not only does that, does that not benefit your partner, but it doesn't benefit you because you're not slowing down to teaching someone else can really reinforce something that you may be didn't know or you thought you knew and now you're realizing, oh, I actually can't explain this. Those types of things we cover. We also do a lot of fun team building stuff when they join just to kind of, you're going to be, I don't know if they did this at your boot camps, but you're going to be there with the same people for quite a while. So we do like trivia things and we used to do a pizza party, which was a lot of fun, but we can't do it remotely right now. Um, Just so they get to know each other and build that connection. And then we actually do the first week They do an implicit bias workshop just to kind of cover a lot of different things that come up in tech, but also it's kind of generic just in the world and let people share their stories there. Um, And they all take before they go into the implicit bias workshop, they take that, I forget what it's called. It's this test to kind of test your own implicit bias. So that's something we do kind of to reinforce those soft skills or things that we think matter in the industry, but also in the community. And then we do an imposter syndrome workshop, actually, which is interesting. So for that one, I mean, they have a whole kind of explanation of what imposter syndrome is. And you all, I was listening to one of your episodes where you're talking about it, which was like, should they do our imposter syndrome lecture? Like we got to get in there. I mean, yeah, we should. Um, We're available. (laughs) Yeah. I'll give you our agent's number. Um, and we get like some of the engineering fellows will come in and talk about times where they felt that imposter syndrome just to kind of relate. Some of the seniors will come in and talk to the because the, the juniors have a lot of really bad imposter syndrome, especially early on in the program. They're like, why did I do this? Like, I'm not meant for coding. Like, this is a whole big change. So that's something we add in for soft skills. And then every night, every time they have a pairing session, which is weekly, I think it's a few days a week, um, they have to do a feedback session after. So like they give each other feedback, kind of adding that personal touch. Engineering empathy is like a big thing that they want to make sure our grads exhibit, but also find important and valuable. There's a lot of different personal connections on top of the the coding stuff, but oh, and we do one more implicit bias workshop at the end of the program, closer to when they're about to go into the job search, because there's just certain things that come up that are a little bit different and they have a different perspective after they've kind of learned all their coding. And also we, we feel kind of a responsibility, like if they go and get these high level jobs where they're interviewing engineers, just making sure they've been informed of certain biases that could impact somebody's ability to get a job just because you aren't aware of it or putting processes in place to actively fight against it. Or That's a newer thing we added last summer, I think. I mean, I'm literally like talking to our management, like, can we get an implicit bias training in here? <laughs> up in here about about gender because engineers are certainly not taught that and i think it's so great like i think boot camp grads really do have a lot to offer because at my boot camp we did a lot of um engineering empathy kind of stuff i forget what they had a, a term for it too we did all pair programming we did feedback all that stuff it's so important and i feel like those are skills that really are not traditionally taught and that where boot camp grads definitely have a leg up I can't believe they don't give you an implicit bias workshop. You should leave it. It is helpful because even the like most well-meaning, nicest people, sometimes if they just haven't been made aware of certain things, even very subtle things, 
Um, even things I, I studied feminist studies and I've learned things from working at the boot camp that I'm like, I would have never really thought. But I know you we talked about like ratios of the the women to men in the program, but like even something as subtle as that is like the men don't really think, oh yeah, I'm pairing with this woman, but they they don't think how uncomfortable she might already feel just the minority there and so if they bulldoze or do something that they're like oh no, that didn't bother bother so and so and it's like it's a whole nother level there's like more of an experience that it's impacting her more negatively than you than it would have impacted you so we try to call that stuff out or give those examples very early on it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen but it it helps and we have a code of conduct lecture which is my favorite because I'm all about the rules <laughs> I was definitely bulldozed by male pair programmers in my boot camp, And on the days where I was paired with a certain person, I was just like, okay, guess I'll just be sitting here today. Like it was so annoying. And, and then that same guy asked me out on our graduation day. I was like, well, I'm, I'm glad you were attracted to me not being able to say a word. That's <laughs> like, probably why he was attracted just, to you. Cause he just got to exactly. talk the whole time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is horrible. It's yes. Yeah, the, uh, some people are just so unaware. You got to be like, hello. Yeah. And you're right. Like that, the female male thing, like already, like at my boot camp, I was one of, we started with four women out of like 30 or something. And then that dwindled down to two by graduation because like some of these women, I mean, actually most of them would, would leave pair programming sessions and go cry in the bathroom because they were so overwhelmed by I think the content and like just the guys like being too overbearing. And so, um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't uncommon to like, be like, where did she go? And like, they'd come back and, and yeah, like half of our women we lost. It's just such a different dynamic to, to be a woman in those pair, pair programming situations. Like you need to be aware of how much you're talking and like, maybe that woman, you know, isn't as like bold and, and vocal, like you need to give them space. So how, how has that looked like? I do want to talk about what the ratio of men and women look like, especially since you were talking about how like it's a passion of yours to get more women into the field, which is obviously a passion of ours as well. Um, so what has that looked like? Do you guys like try to over index for like trying to get more women in when you don't see as many applying or like what, what does that look like? Yeah. So it's always hard. Cause I think probably in your bootcamp situation, they, they weren't thinking, they weren't trying to make it harder on the woman, but sometimes people overlook just the the structure and how it feels to be the only woman or one of two there and all those different dynamics. So it wasn't always, our ratios weren't always great and it go, they go up and down, but it, it's kind of hard because when you don't see a lot of examples of yourself in the field, it already, it starts before they've even applied. So we're trying to think of how can we make people feel like they should apply here and that it'll be different here and they'll feel comfortable. There's a lot of different things we've tried. Something we do regularly is we, all those free workshops I mentioned, we do like women's only versions that are taught by one of our female instructors and only women or non-binary people can attend, especially when you're just starting. I mean, if I was just starting to code, I'd be terrified to go to a free workshop that would probably be most of the men and I wouldn't participate. And we found that the women ask more questions and are just more vocal in that workshop than some of the cases when it's like a co-ed workshop. Um, we also added a women's mentorship program. So if you apply, you can like check off that you're interested in being partnered with a, a female alum. And then we pair them up and they can kind of help you study for the, the program or just give you advice on 
how to like navigate certain things that you might face as a woman in that field. And then we have female woman scholarships just for women um, that we offer. So that's something that we always had from the beginning. Uh, we do, once you're in the program, we do fun types of activities just so the women can get to know each other better, not just the students, but also like the team. So we'll do like, we used to call it ladies lunch. I don't know what they're calling it these days, but way cooler. Um, we do like wine nights together. Um, we'll do yoga classes together, like uh, during their lunch breaks, just to, you know, give them a space that might be a nice break from all the dudes. And then also just when I started our, our like team, our Codesmith team is like very female. Like there's a lot of women who work on the team. So it, when I started and the ratios weren't as great and there might be two women or three women in the cohort, at least in the, the space that you were occupying, there was a lot of women there that were working and supporting and maybe not doing the engineering instruction, which we did have, you know, engineering fellows and LT lead technical mentors that were women, but it just kind of helped at least to feel like there's other people here that look like me and I'm not just the only woman here. Um, I feel like there was another part of the question at the beginning that I missed. Like, have you ever had women who are like, I'm about to quit, like, or even not even just women, like, like people that want to quit, <laughs> like, how do you support them? Well, we have something I worked on when I started with like this very detailed code of conduct, which I know sounds so lame and rules and boring, <laughs> but having a really clear process about like what's okay and what's not okay so that we are ready to like either give someone a warning or ask them to leave if they're not following that. And part of the code of conduct is what we say, like meeting minimum academic expectations which is like pairing with your partner, not bulldozing. So like you could be asked to leave the program if you're not being a respectful communicator, like just having those in, cause sometimes we'd tell someone we have had, we are not, if somebody is not working within the community, we will ask them to leave and give them a refund. Like we don't want the money just to have you like ruining everyone's experience here. Um, so we have had to ask people who did, weren't, you know, getting along or may, really buying into what we found to be important We've had to ask them to leave, but it gets difficult when they're like, well, I didn't know I wasn't allowed to do that. Or So putting the code of conduct in place and even doing a lecture on it and giving examples of things that we say, like, if you do this, this is not okay. And bulldozing is one of them. Uh, microaggressions is one of them. Like any little thing that to some people in their normal life at college or at their frat was like, fine. It's like, we're trying to tell you from the very beginning, it's not fine. And we will take action very quickly and ask you to leave. So those are like little things that we hope show the, the woman or anyone who might feel out of place from the beginning that we're on their side and they can come to us and they should feel comfortable telling us if something is off. We also have an anonymous form as well, in case anyone's like, doesn't want to tell on anyone. Um, but if someone wants to leave in the middle of the program, not because of well, whatever it may be, we do a few different conversations with them just to get a better sense of why they think they need to leave, because it's always different reasons. Sometimes it is something out of their control, something, you know, in their personal life and they can't commit. And then we work with them to defer them to the next cohort so they can start over from the beginning or they just withdraw because they've decided that that doesn't work for them. But they have like, I think three separate conversations with different people on the team before it's like, I'm, if they say they're, they're leaving, we definitely make sure that they are getting support on whatever it is that they might be struggling with. A lot of the times it is imposter syndrome with the juniors, especially um, they're like, Oh, I can't believe I'm here. Like, 
this was not right, or I'm not picking all this up. So just telling them success stories and that it's normal to feel that way. But also if it's really something that someone wants to do, we don't want you, we don't want to force you to complete a program that's not going to benefit you or it's not what you want. Cause it's not, it's not cheap. I feel like a lot of our listeners who are interested in boot camps are particularly interested in what happens when you graduate and what the process looks like for entering into the field as a newly minted software engineer? Yeah. So a big portion of our curriculum um, is actually focused on the hiring. We call it the hiring portion of the program. So uh, we do, like I said, the implicit bias lecture, but we do a lot of lectures on how to negotiate your salary or how to present your narrative. A lot of people are nervous about even saying they went to a boot camp. So how you can present that, what your LinkedIn should look like, what your resume should look like. We do resume reviews. They do several drafts. So a lot of just building that confidence and making sure they know that they are qualified for these jobs. And even though they did this program in three months, like really a lot of the projects that they do are meant to, you know, help build their resume up and show the work that they can do. So that's part of the program while you're here. Um, And then once you graduate, we have a really good hiring support program. So you can always schedule uh, mock technical interviews with engineers who are former grads who like offer time to walk you through some different algorithms and kind of do a mock technical so that you feel more comfortable. Um, We have a really obviously extensive alumni network, but we have a Slack workspace so that you're all kind of in there together and you can Slack about common things that might be coming up or blocks or even jobs that your company are shared in there, which is nice. We're also connect you to grads. um, If you want to work at a certain company and we know we have a grad there who's willing to talk with you or has said that they want to be involved in that way. We, we make those connections, but we have a whole uh, team, the outcomes team who makes works to make sure each grad is doing what they need to get a job. So we don't really leave you alone after you uh, graduate, which might be annoying for some, but you're getting like weekly slacks and emails. Like you have to submit a form with how many, like how many applications did you submit? How many phone interviews, Um, You know, what happened at like, did you, we have different, did you do like a follow-up email, like different strategies that we asked them to, to implement. So we're really annoying, but it's meant to just make sure you're doing what you should be to get a job. Yeah. It's just a lot. We're always here. Even people getting their like second and third jobs will come back to us and say, can I do another mock technical or I'm I'm on the market again? Can you help? Kind of like long-term career support is what we want to offer. But we don't do like, I know some people ask like guaranteed job placement or things like that. We don't do that. I always laugh because I feel like I've asked you a couple of times. I'm like, hey, I'm hiring like an intern or I'm hiring this person. And like, you would you want to post it? Like I, thinking I'm doing you a favor. And you're like, um, actually, our grads look for um, like, <laughs> I forget what you say. Like, look for um, software engineer. It's just level. What? <laughs> Mid to senior level role. Mid to senior level. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, (laughs) what? Like my boot camp, I was happy to get an internship, but clearly it speaks to like how much more like advanced your program is and how, how much more maybe like experienced the grads are coming in. And, and I think that's really cool. I just laugh like that. You're sticking your nose up at my, my, uh, like offers. I'll be your intern, Taylor. (laughs) I want. I wanted to ask if you um, do. You, do you notice women getting hired faster? 
No, I don't. I was actually talking to Annie on my team. She is like our outcomes manager and she does a lot of the hiring lectures and she keeps very close contact with all of the grads. And I asked her about that and she was saying that it ha- she hasn't noticed any difference. She said she recently saw like an article somewhere saying that a, that a lot of more women are getting software engineering jobs. I don't know if you saw that, what she's talking about, but no, we haven't, it hasn't been, there hasn't been any like discrepancy either way, if that makes sense. I only asked because in my bootcamp, um, it was like me and the other girl that got hired immediately before everyone else. And maybe that's just because we were the best, but, um, I feel like, (laughs) um, and, and we were targeting more junior jobs too, but I just think companies are really looking to hire women. So I didn't know if you, if you saw that, um, can you talk about like, you may not know, but like what the average salary is and just like name drop some of the companies that grads have been hired at? Yes. So we actually get it audited externally on this information if you're ever interested or anyone listening actually to those listeners out there. Um, (laughs) And if you're looking for a boot camp, there's a a company or an organization called CIRR, which we say SIR internally. I don't know what they call themselves, but search CIRR and it's like all the public reports of, of graduates from boot camps and the salaries they get and what percentages of them found jobs within a certain amount of time. So you can find our info on there, but you can also find a lot of other schools on there. Um, The timing varies, but within 180 days of graduating, our LA campus, 80% of our grads get an offer. And then our New York campus, it's a little bit higher. It's like 86% of them get an offer. And then the median salary for the LA program is 115K. And then for New York, it's 120. You know, obviously it's the, so sometimes a lot, a lot of times higher, sometimes lower, but we, we work really hard on making sure that our grads know that they can get those salaries. But to your point, Taylor, about like when you graduated, you were like, I'm just going to apply for junior roles because that's what I feel comfortable with, which is something I think a lot of our, especially our, our female or women students feel they're like, it's something about, we just like, we want to know that we are going to do this job well. And like, even when I look at a job description, I'm like, okay, I can do this. I can, oh, I can't do that. I can't do one of the things like pass. They'll never hire me. And if sometimes men are more confident about that. So they'll see, they can do one thing and they're like, this is for me. Like, oh, a pilot never flew a plane sign. Yeah. So a lot of our woman grads are asking for more like uh, lectures that are catered to negotiating as a woman or, feeling more confident in applying for those roles because it is different. So that's another reason why we added in that implicit bias workshop again later on, but it's something we want to focus on moving forward because it is, it does feel different when you are graduating and you're, you know, the minority in that group, but those are our numbers. Check them out online. (laughs) Oh, you wanted to know companies. People want to get into like the startup space. So there's kind of a lot of those happening, especially more recently, like a lot of startups, have been coming out of our outcomes, but we have people at like NPR, Bloomberg, Amazon, Hulu, uh, PayPal, Netflix, a lot of people at Disney, actually. I don't think we have anyone at Headspace yet, but maybe one day. Yeah, some big names. A lot of, everyone's different. We also ask them to, in the hiring portion of the program, we do like one-on-ones with all the students and we ask 
Like what kind of companies are you, are there any specific company you want to work for? And some people are like, I need to be at Facebook or I need to be at Amazon. But most people are just like, no, I just want to. I just want a job, please. <laughs> like I haven't worked in yeah. three months. Yeah. <laughs> and those companies you mentioned, Chelsea, those are all the like first jobs that they're getting out of the bootcamp too. Cause I know you mentioned that you're offering career services for the long haul. It sounds like. Yeah, those are all first jobs. I don't think we've ever had anyone on their first. I think we were always like keeping track if anyone like got a job at Apple. I don't think we've had anyone at Apple after first job, but we've had people in like second and third jobs at Apple and at Google in second and third jobs. But we also get a lot of people who like have computer science degrees or even were in junior developer roles who who will do our program too. They're not more likely, but they're like ready to apply for those types of roles sometimes and that they just do our program to kind of level up. What advice would you give to people considering a bootcamp? I would say to do a lot of research, which it can be kind of daunting because there's like so many of them out there. But do a lot of research. Um, Course Report is a good website. They have like coding bootcamp reviews and just read them because you can tell like if people are willing to write a review, it's usually they're like really angry or really happy with the experience. So I would I would definitely start there. Website, some of the websites aren't very uh, forthcoming with a lot of information. Ours has a ton of information, almost too much. But if you can schedule calls with like, an advisor or an admissions person, that always is a good like hint at, um, are they just trying to like sell me or do they want me to do well in this program? So for like your example of you just had to kind of apply and most people would get in. Some of those programs are good if that's what you're looking for. But if you really do want that career change, the right coding school is gonna is gonna screen you a lot and they're gonna have prerequisites and they're gonna prerequisites and they're gonna ask you to do some work on your own beforehand. So it depends what you're looking for. I mean if you're not really if you just want to do like an intro or junior level type thing, then those are good. But getting on the phone with people is always helpful in kind of getting a sense. And if they offer, so I don't know if other people do this, but we offer our free workshops, which gives you a sense of the community and the teaching style and what it would be like. So if other boot camps do something similar, I would recommend going to those first too. And then also knowing that it's not going to be people here at bootcamp, they're like, great, I'm going to do this program and I'm going to be a software engineer in three months, but it's not that quick in terms of like the lead up to actually you know, applying and getting through the process, getting in and like when the cohort starts. So preparing for that. We get people who call us and like, can I start in the, the group tomorrow? And we're like, no, 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 you have to apply. Like there's a lot of things that happen before. But yeah, that would be my advice. You're going to have to put your life on hold for however many months and just be willing to like, like this is all of your focus for that time. Cause it really is like mentally exhausting because it's probably dealing with concepts you've never really dealt with before in that in depth. And especially pair programming is so freaking tiring. Like just talking to someone all day long and like explaining or trying to figure something out out loud. It's like exhausting. So yeah. And, and, and dealing with, you know, all the implicit bias stuff, like you're just getting a lot of information thrown at you. So just be prepared. Yeah. Be prepared that it's not going to be like, you have to put an equal amount. Like you, you get what you put in basically you get out what you put in. And yeah, I mean, I think we would all recommend it like for myself, obviously I wouldn't be in this job if I didn't do boot camp. Um, even though, like I said, mine was like, I don't know, I feel like a little jank, but <laughs> I lucked, I lucked out. 
Monica, I feel like you're, you feel the same. A hundred percent. And I think it's also important to call out that we both went to JavaScript based boot camps and CodeSmith is a JavaScript based boot camp, but I have not worked in JavaScript or like with JavaScript professionally since then. So it also, for anyone who's interested, it doesn't at all, yeah, it doesn't at all limit your career possibilities. Like Taylor and I both do mobile development, which definitely was not taught or even hinted at in my boot camp. Um, but what it teaches you that's super valuable is just these sort of core principles of programming on top of the soft skills too, which are equally as important. And once you really have a grasp on those basic concepts, they apply to all languages. Really, like I got my internship at Headspace and then just started kind of like learning Java and learning Android. If you're weighing whether or not to go to a boot camp, another big question to ask yourself is like, do I want to spend the rest of my life learning and constantly having new things to learn? And really, it's really hard to master anything for more than like a couple months because it's technology and it's like constantly evolving. And there's always something new that you don't know about yet that you need to ramp up on. I had a coworker like slack me the other day because I feel like engineers are always being like, we need more learning opportunities. We want this. We want this. Like always talking about learning opportunities. My coworker who's on the like project management side was like, is it just me? Or like, do engineers always ask for more learning opportunities? Like I've never heard sales or like marketing or people ask for learning opportunities. And I was like, well, yeah, but that's because those industries aren't changing like every month, <laughs> like or at least every year, definitely every year, you know, every year Apple comes out with like new, completely new features and new versions of all the software. So it's like, we have to have that. And other companies provide that a lot. Like that's part of the job. And so if you're a company not providing that for your engineers and just expecting them to like do it on their own, then you know, you have competition elsewhere, but I just thought that was funny. Like, it's just so not, it's not really the culture of other jobs. Like it is for us. And you just have to be comfortable, like not knowing things half the time, like feeling stupid half the time. That's like kind of self-deprecating. I'm sure like men don't feel stupid. They're probably just like, Oh, I need to go find Maybe they do. But like, I feel like, you know, for us, it's obviously like, Oh my gosh, every time we run into something that, you know, is, is hard. We're like, shoot, am I supposed to be doing this job? Um, but yeah, you just have to be like, okay, being uncomfortable. And it helped me become less of, of a perfectionist too. Cause I was just like, okay, making mistakes quickly is like actually the, the easiest way to learn. Cause you're like, okay, there's the bug. Like now I know how to reproduce it and great. Now I can fix it. Bringing that back to like the coding bootcamp stuff and the imposter syndrome and like making mistakes and people maybe wanting to maybe not thinking that this is they're cut out for this. Like just know that we are dealing with this on an everyday basis. And, and it's part of like, if you are uncomfortable with that feeling, this may not be for you. It's just part of the job. So that it's like CodeSmith is like a little kind of microcosm of what you're, you would be feeling outside of it. And, um, and you just really learn how to like learn quickly from your mistakes and just like take the mistakes in stride as part of the learning process. 
No, I mean, I mean, we do a lot of like mini projects and a lot of students like get so frustrated about not having the per- like what they thought they were going to build. They didn't have enough time or they have to do a snake game at one point And it's this like we couldn't finish snake game and they get so stressed. They're like I can't be an engineer because I, you know, I couldn't even do this little app. And it's like it's all about the learning experience. This isn't obviously that's the goal, but it doesn't mean you didn't learn anything in trying to make that. And there was a time crunch. And this is like a crazy environment where you only have x amount of hours and you've been doing this you know all day every day for weeks and so sometimes that's good advice because sometimes people they're just like very stuck in the moment and they think i'm a failure so yeah and to try not to compare yourself to others like compare yourself to where you were last week especially in the boot camps like you learn so fast comparing yourself to the person next to you like you said that could have been a, a someone who has a cs degree and is going to be looking for some insane job after this and you don't have to compete with them like compete with yourself just keep making sure you're learning and like, just try not to beat yourself up when you feel like you're not getting it. Like you're, you're not going to get it a lot of the time. And then you just need to take a break and come back with fresh eyes and you're fine. Yeah. And a lot of the time, something that maybe you didn't get that that person with the CS degree got like later on in the program, they don't get something that you have to help them with. Like people just kind of certain things click faster in in different stages and you will be in that, like you will have that opportunity to be the teacher or show someone else something that maybe they had to show you the first time around. I don't want to be a coder or anything. Hearing all these bug things stress me. I actually listened, listening to one of your episodes when you were talking about like, if you're doing a presentation, you're thinking about like all the questions that everyone's going to ask you and like making, I was like, oh my God, I do that. I literally will get on, I'll ask my coworker Haley, I'm like, can you get on a Zoom and like pretend you like you looked at this, like did I, what questions would you ask? Like, what's not clear in this? And it kind of made me, I was like, I don't have to know that I could get back to them. I could be like, I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you tomorrow. Um, so that's good advice for, for any future coders. Yeah, totally. You don't need to have all the answers off the bat for anything. It doesn't make you less competent to not have the answers to people's random questions. You know, um, I used to see all the time on your Instagram stories, like I would be looking at your stories and it would just be like some random person singing or like doing some weird talent. And I was like, who are these people? <laughs> like, I do not know them. And I, I assume they were like talent shows for your cohort. So uh, you guys were doing all kinds of things all the time. And how have those like translated to remote life? I, I hope they're getting the same experience. The talent show is the event of the season. Even <laughs> I think they even performed the national anthem before the most recent one. Like it was a whole thing. <laughs> it's also like really it's a big like if you get to MC the talent show you're like oh my gosh it's just such an honor like I can't wait so it is a big event um and the talent show actually has translated very well remotely because people are less nervous to like do something when they're like when you're in person in front of this crowd and everyone's it's kind of like I'm not standing up but at home you're like yeah sure I'll sing a song or I'll show you uh somebody made their bed really really fast which I didn't think was a talent but then I saw it and I was like that's a talent so it's just a fun way to kind of build the community and it's usually towards the end of the program so people are more comfortable but in terms of like other we did like beer pong on Thursday nights or like drinking games or all of those things um, obviously aren't the same remote, but I think it's been a positive experience because some people who maybe wouldn't have come out of their shelves in a shelves come out of their shells um, in a <laughs> in a setting like that 
like in person, feel a lot more comfortable remotely, especially like even on like some people just are better with written communication or being funny on Slack or in a meeting. So it's given space to those people who might not be the loudest in the room to get their personalities across or do smaller breakout room sessions and it's been good. It's not the same. And I think there will, when it's safe to go back on site, we will still have an on-site program and a remote program. And I think different people will like either of those for different reasons, but it's nice to know that the community aspect is still working and people are still making these friendships and lifelong connections, even over the the computer. <laughs> well, we need to do our imposter moments. And I, I, again, this week don't have an all-star moment. So next week, Monica, you can force me to have one, but like, I just haven't been feeling very all-star-ish in my job lately. (laughs) I was very sick yesterday, but I got a negative COVID test today. So that was the highlight of my day. That was my all-star moment, not having COVID. My imposter moment, I was talking about at the beginning, like I'm trying to learn how to build a, no one's going to know what this is. So I'm not going to say it. It's like just a custom layout from scratch, but usually you can just like use the, the class that's provided by Apple and I have to do a custom one and it's just like calculating all the frames. And I literally, I tried it. (laughs) It moved everything from the screen into a tiny, tiny box on the left. And I'm just like, this is not right. And I don't even know where to look to fix it. And I'm stuck and I'm like half sick. So my brain's not working. And I'm just like, I don't know. I didn't know this before today. My therapist was telling me when you're sick, you feel like extra vulnerable, like brings up more because you're like, you need to be like taken care of. And you're just like, feel vulnerable. And so I think that I was just like, I'm stupid. I can't do it. But um, I hope that's my illness talking and not myself. So that's me. Monica? I broke something today. I wish I hadn't. And I'm trying, I'm trying to fix it. I did fix it. It's, it's fixed for uh, next week, I hope. You fixed it, you fixed it quickly. That can be your all-star. Yeah, moment. it's both. I, I love an efficient imposter all-star that covers both categories. <laughs> Um, Chelsea, you haven't played this game with us before, but it's basically, you just give uh, a highlight and a low light of your week. Highlight. I, well, I'm, I'm director of people, but I'm building out the people division because we're a startup. So it's a new thing. So I have to come up with a lot of stuff that I've never done before. And I always get very nervous. Like when I put, send my suggestions to the CEO, because CEOs have very strong opinions about the people stuff in particular, but he really liked all the stuff and he said it was good. So that was a highlight. Low light, the heat loss to the Clippers last night, which, or the other night, which we, we didn't want that. Chelsea's dad is a coach on the heat. Oh my God. He's a big deal. I can't think of a work one, which I guess is another highlight. It was a good work. That's great. That's awesome. Well, let's end on that. Chelsea, where can perspective, what'd you say, Monica? Bootcamp curious people. <laughs> <laughs> I cracked me up. Bootcamp curious folks find more information about Codesmith. Where can they contact you or someone else if you don't want them to contact you? Or you want some more Instagram followers? I mean, I'm always down for Instagram followers, but you're not going to find a lot of boot camp related content on there. But it's at C De La G, just saying. But if you, you can actually email me directly. I'm happy to talk to anyone about Codesmith. So my email is Chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-E-A at Codesmith, C-O-D-E-S-M-I-T-H dot I-O. 
And then just our web, our website, codesmith.io, there's a ton of info in there. You'll see upcoming workshops. We do a lot of info sessions. They're all free. So if you want to learn more, you can always join one of those. Can you give those links again that you gave in the middle about, was it C-I-R-R? They're called the Council on Integrity and in Results Reporting. So C-I-R-R.org. Um, and if you just click on the data tab and scroll down, you'll see CodeSmith pretty high up there. But there's other uh, coding boot camps on here, too, like Full Stacks on here, Juno College of Technology. Did I give another link or was that the only one? There was one for that. Ha- what was the one that had the reviews for boot camps? Oh, yeah. Course Report. I'm so sorry. That one is www.coursereport. So C-O-U-R-S-E r-e-p-o-r-t dot com and there's a lot of info in there amazing thank you so much for having this little chat with us today and dropping all these knowledge bombs about boot camp should we go back to boot camp like should we should we do it again (laughs) i know i'm feeling really nostalgic too i feel like should i be a professional like boot camp mentor like that would be really fun Thank you, Chelsea. I'm so glad that our our uh, relationship has revo- has revolved has evolved from you know just singing in a classroom to now being peers in the software engineering space and like being partners in the quest to get more women involved. I think it's so cool. That was beautiful. I agree. Um, and partners and peers in the cat space as well. We are big in the cat space. As, yes, definitely. Well, thank you both. This is so much fun. I appreciate um, all the insightful questions. Excited to listen to it. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.